Yeah, before Dennis comes up and speaks, uh, I just want to share a couple of announcements with you. If you don't know me, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as one of the elders and pastors here. And I uh, just want to say a couple of things. Number one, um, I just wanted to celebrate what the Lord did this last weekend at the Jack Deere Gifted Conference. Uh, it was really, really amazing what God did here in this place. We had over 155 people that uh, signed up for that conference. And even more, 50 of over 50 of our own family volunteered this past weekend. So I just want to thank you for volunteering. And thank you for being here and serving and encouraging. And I just want to tell one testimony. I've shared this with some folks. But uh, when, when you do a conference like that, I've been to a lot of conferences. And I've, I've been one of those pastors that was burned out and went to a conference. And the Lord met me there and refreshed me and encouraged me. So that when I went back to the church that I was serving, I was, I was ready to go for the next season. And there was one uh, church planting leadership team from New Jersey that came to this conference this last weekend. And I met with the pastor, and he was in that exact same spot. And I remember he stood right here. I was standing here after doing prayer team. And he looked at me, and he said, I just want to thank the MCC family for putting this conference on. We're planting a church among meth-addicted, in a meth-addicted community. And it's really, really hard, he said. <laughs> and this conference refreshed us. His entire leadership team was here and his family. So that kind of influence, you, we don't even realize, when we, when we do something like this, you don't even realize the hearts and, and the, the discouragement that people bring in when they come to those conferences. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for praying for that conference. I wanted to share a couple of things. What's going on next at MCC? Uh, Dennis is preaching on the gift of mercy this morning. Then we're going to be looking at the gift of hospitality next Sunday. Then we'll have a sharing Sunday where we're going to be giving testimony. So that's March 27th in two weeks. So be thinking about testimonies on March 27th. Then April 3rd, we will finish our gifted and going for it series uh, with a message entitled Fan Into Flame. That's April 3rd. April 10th is the start of Holy Week and Palm Sunday. And uh, we will be um, obviously reflecting on Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Um, and we will also be taking up a special missions offering Palm Sunday. So just be thinking ahead of time. Uh, we'll be giving opportunities to, to give to Ukraine. Being able to give generally to our missions partners and to other opportunities. So we'll have more information for you on that. But I just wanted to draw your attention to that April 10th. Palm Sunday. Then April 17th, Resurrection Sunday, we'll have baptisms available. So if you're interested in being baptized or you know someone in our church family or in your family that would like to be baptized, please reach out and let us know about that. Just thinking about Holy Week, I just want to let you know that Dennis is leading a team to Israel. They leave Wednesday. Uh, I'll be on that team. I'm saying they, but I'm on that team as well. So we would cover your prayers in that trip as well. Uh, finally, I want to mention to you uh, that Dennis is going to be starting a, a final series that he's going to be preaching through called But God. Starts April 24th, runs through May 29th. Uh, I'm really excited about this series. Dennis has been working on it. Um, really a chance for, for Dennis and us as a church family to remember all that the Lord has done in these 18 years, right? So we want to we want to reflect. We want to remember. It's almost remember when Paul 
uh, went along the coast and, and the, the elders and others from the church at Ephesus came down and Paul shared his heart with that church. So I want to invite you to come every single week for the But God series that Dennis is going to be sharing, walking through uh, the, Tim- the letters to Timothy, letters to Titus. Um, and there'll be three Saturday mornings. I want you to make sure that you see this. Uh, we'll have a Saturday morning with just the guys um, on April 30th. Uh, we'll have a Saturday morning with just the girls on May 7th. And then all families together on that May 14th. I want, to, want you to know about that. Okay, last thing that I want to say, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get going. Um, the elders uh, have affirmed and have asked Katie Smith to remove her interim title and to be the official director of children. So I just wanted to say thank you to Katie. So this is what we're going to do. Katie's not going to like this. Would you stand, Katie? And let's, let's, let's pray for Katie and pray for the children's ministry of our church. Um, and uh, I will pray, and then I'll invite Dee. But let's just, let's just lift up Katie and the children's ministry of our church. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you are a God of generation after generation after generation, and that you have intentions for the children that are in our midst and the children that are yet to be born and the children that are yet to come. And we bless Katie. I bless her with wisdom, with understanding, with, uh, with um, knowledge of what you're doing in this ministry. I bless all of her volunteers, all of her leaders, all of her teachers. I bless them that they would have a heart for you and that that would overflow to the children of this church. And we pray specifically uh, for the little Samuels, the little Samuelettes downstairs, that they would hear your voice that they would be drawn to you, that every single one of them would hear you, Jesus, and say, here I am. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. So we bless Katie. I bless her family. We bless the children's ministry. We thank you for what you're doing downstairs and through our kiddos. And I also pray for Dennis as he comes, um, that uh, you would speak through him to us. And so we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Come on, Dee. All right. Thank you, brother. Well, good morning, everyone. Would you open your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1? And uh, it's good to be with you this morning. I'm going to be walking us through uh, today the gift of mercy. And uh, my hope, my prayer is that uh, we would have Uh, just a collective experience with this gift, a desire for more of this gift, and um, the decision to walk out uh, that gift together as we uh, look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And if you remember, uh, we started in chapter 12, verse 1, in this section of the series, and I just want to remind you of how it starts. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then he goes on to say, don't be conformed uh, to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that led into how we should behave as a body, how we should walk in humility uh, together, that each one of us has a role to play 
and then it finished with the list of the gifts. And we come to the end of that section in verse 8 today, uh, and the last bit of it, uh, which, uh, which says... Um, which says this, to the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Interesting how he takes uh, that gift which obviously is involved often in a lot of sad situations, in a lot of challenging situations, and says, do it with cheerfulness. And that is, uh, that is the word there that we uh, see in the giving, in the giving passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, it's where we get the English word hilarious. And so we are to bring this gift of mercy with joy and an expression of the, uh, of the good news that God is with us, God is for us, God is in the midst of whatever difficult trial uh, we are going through. So to start off, I wanted to just have a time of prayer for the Ukraine, uh, the people of Ukraine. And I would like to, you've got a sheet here. If you're online, there's a link uh, in the broadcast that will uh, take you to this document. It is a scripted liturgical prayer. <clears throat> and as we read this prayer together, I'll read the, uh, the unbolded parts. You all will read the bold parts. We're going to need to change a few of these just to make it specific uh, to the Ukraine. So, for example, in the first response, instead of shelter us, let's say shelter our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. All right? Uh, but we're going to walk through the prayer. And I want, as we pray this prayer, uh, by the way, this prayer was sent to us uh, by a ministry team that is working uh, in one of the adjacent countries to Ukraine, and uh, it, it is in that uh, uh, team's uh, heart that we really felt we were supposed to pray this prayer. Um, it's obviously scripted out liturgical, but think as we pray this prayer, think about the images you have seen. Think about the news stories you have seen or read. Think about um, the individuals you may know who have some connection to the Ukraine, uh, the situation in, in Ukraine right now. And I'm going to just give us a minute to debrief it after we pray. But I want us to just enter into this experience of conveying mercy uh, to the people through the privilege of prayer. So let's, uh, let's start. To, I'll start off. O God who gathers what has been scattered. O Christ, who binds our wounds. O Spirit, who enters our every grief. Be present in the midst of this far-reaching pain, O Lord, for we are reeling again at news of another loss of life that touches us all, news of flourishing diminished, of individuals harmed, of pain imposed not only upon victims and their families who bear now the immediate brunt of it, but also upon their nation. For we are connected as a people with them, and this hurt, this grief, touches us all. 
Engage our imaginations and move our hearts to compassion, O Lord, that we would interact with these casualties, not as news stories or statistics, but as our own sisters and brothers, flesh and blood, divine image bearers, irreplaceable individuals whose losses will leave gaping holes in homes, friendships, workplaces, churches, schools, organizations, and neighborhoods. You do not run from our brokenness, O God. You move ever towards those in need. Your heart is always inclined towards those who suffer. Now let your mercies be active through the hands, the words, and the compassionate care of those who willingly enter this sadness to console and to serve. All who move toward this need. The helpers, the counselors, the first responders, those who offer aid and protection, the pastors and intercessors, those who meet immediate practical needs, those who seek to heal physical wounds, and those who come after to carry on the long, hard work of rebuilding families and hearts and lives and community. Even in the shadow of such tragedy, let us not lose hope. Give us eyes to see the rapid movements of mercy rushing to fill this new, these newly wounded spaces. Let us see in this the echoes of your own mercy and compassion, a foretaste of your kingdom coming to earth, and move our own hearts also, equipping us to intercede, to act, and to respond however we are able. In the midst and in the aftermath of this tragedy, in the wake of our wounding, in the shock and the sorrow, arrest the hearts and stay the hands of any who even now might be plotting further evil and violence against others, O Christ. Turn them from hatred, turn their hearts to you. You once brooded over the formless chaos of ancient waters and brought forth the order and flourishing of creation. Do so again, O Spirit of God. From the chaos of this tragedy, call forth new life and order and flourishing. Take even what our adversary might have meant for evil and from it bring forth eternal good. And here, let's say, carry our brothers and sisters. You alone have strength to carry this people. Sisters, now, O Lord. And the same reply here, too. You alone have wisdom and power to heal the wounds of a nation. Heal our brothers and sisters, O Lord. You alone have compassion enough to enter our widespread grief and turn it to hope. Be merciful, O Christ. Amen. So let's just debrief that for a second. What came to mind as you were praying those words? You can just shout out. Hope. Not to lose hope. All right. Anything else? Spirit comforting. Okay. Excellent. Any any other things that crossed your mind as we were praying? The needless devastation. The needless devastation. Anyone feel any anger? Yeah. Anybody else? 
injustice. Angst. Grief. A war against principalities and powers. God's presence with everyone through it all. There was a lot of scripture, and it made me think the word applies to all situations. There was a lot of scripture, and, and it makes Jamie think that the word applies to all situations. Yeah. I, heard, I heard my husband saying Ukraine and Russia. Like, all right, yeah. There's a lot of believers in Russia who are probably. Yep. So we could also lift this prayer not only for those in the Ukraine, but those in Russia. Yep. Imagine what they must be feeling. And in many of these situations, that there are families interconnected. There are soldiers from one family shooting weapons at apartment buildings where their family members may live. So it's a devastating. So I, I wanted to enter into this because when, when, this, when this prayer came across... Uh, my email, Zeke forwarded it to me um, from the, the people working in the field. It really, it really got a hold of me, and it, I really felt like as one of the outcomes of this study on mercy, we could take this prayer home and mark it up, uh, insert your own prayers. Certainly pray for the uh, brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, in Russia, maybe in Poland. They're now, they've now got a million... Ukrainians uh, and refugee workers from all over Europe are now in Poland. Uh, we had an opportunity this week to provide uh, the elders approved a gift out of our missions fund to go to a team of trauma workers. Uh, they've been working in trauma care for 20 years. They're headquartered in Amsterdam. They have come to Poland uh, with a whole team to minister to these uh, these Ukrainian refugees. So as you think about this week and also think about what God would like you to do as we uh, uh, come up to this Palm Sunday offering of how would God want you to move and we are researching additional ministries that we can invest in but we have one that we think is spot on and goes directly to the need. So uh, this is this is uh, the, the, the gift of mercy in action and we'll see how this gift is possibly one of the most emotionally gripping gifts uh, in, in this um, series of gifts that we've been working on. Uh, I know that mercy is not one of my primary gifts but I know that in the course of studying this week and praying this prayer the Lord has really moved in my spirit and I think that's what my greatest hope for this message is, is that we would continue to engage uh, in this gift with the Lord. And I'm going to do that this morning in five parts. First, I want to look at mercy in the character of God. Then I want to look at mercy in the scriptures. I want to look at the story of the Good Samaritan, which is one of Jesus' most powerful uh, parables on mercy. And then I want to look at some practical considerations of the gift of mercy and then uh, we're going to close with a time of uh, prayer and worship and personal application uh, as we uh, continue, as Jack encouraged us last week, to live our lives in light of that moment when we will be at the judgment seat of Christ. 
as we continue to live our lives, not for now, but for eternity, and use these gifts that he has given us uh, to bless and engage <clears throat> and experience the mutual transformation that comes from that. So, Father, as we uh, consider mercy, thank you for this prayer. We do, God, ask that you'd continue to keep us in prayer and you'd continue to keep us, uh, Lord, open to how you would like us uh, to be instruments of mercy in this situation, uh, in these times, in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. So mercy in God's character. We can see the mercy of God uh, in so much of the scriptural story. Imagine the mercy of God in being the, the one to kill the first part of his creation, to clothe Adam and Eve as they are leaving the garden. Imagine the mercy uh, of calling all the animals into the ark and closing the door. Uh, so that one family could be preserved and the creation, the animals of the creation could be pre preserved. Think of the fact that in 40 years of wandering, the clothing of the Israelites, no washing machines, no, no uh, water for washing, the clothing didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, and he fed them with manna from heaven every day, uh, except on the Sabbath, of course. Uh, then we move to the New Testament story and we see Jesus come on the scene with works of healing, uh, with works of multiplying food, with works of delivering people from demonic oppression. And then, uh, obviously, as we've just celebrated, coming to the peak of him on the cross, uh, dying in our place for our sin. Uh, and it was there uh, that he was actually... Uh, crowned as king and it was there on the cross that the enemy was defeated and all the accusations against us uh, were rendered uh, harmless and it was there uh, that uh, we saw the true mercy of Christ forgiving even those that were killing him because they didn't know what they were doing and then of course the resurrection the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the granting of the gospel of salvation. The fact that this beautiful, uh, perfect gospel would be available to every single person uh, that walked on the earth. So this is a, a, a scanning of the mercy of God. But I want to I look at the first place in Scripture where this mercy of God is really... Uh, really revealed and it's in Exodus chapter 34 if you want to go there here's the situation Moses has been up onto the Mount Sinai he has been up there 40 days and 40 nights he's come down with the tablets and right there in the midst of receiving uh, the Ten Commandments the people are worshiping a golden calf and Moses is, uh, throws the tablets and they're, they're smashed to smithereens and Moses uh, goes through the crowd with the Levites and they uh, take all those that are worshiping and they kill them. About 3,000 people died and uh, the Levites are later commended for putting the honor of God ahead of their own people uh, in that situation. And so Moses is starting to wonder whether or not... Uh, God's going to be able to forgive this thing. And Moses is telling him right away, like, if you don't go with us, if, if you're not part of this anymore, I don't, want, 
I can't do it. It's impossible. And so God, Moses says to God, show, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God says, okay, I will. You go ahead and carve out a couple more tablets. You come back up on top of the mountain. And there's a place on the cliff where I'm going to have you stand. And then I'm going to pass in front of you. And you're not going to see my face but you're going to see my goodness and you're going to see my glory and as I go by. And I've always wondered, as God, as God covers Moses' face, I've always wondered, uh, because all Moses could see was God's back, I've always wondered, did he see the stripes? Did he see the stripes that it would cost God to make the following statement? So in verse, in verse 6, he says... Uh, the Lord, uh, verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Stood with him there. Wow. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And not only this God of mercy and grace and slow to anger and abounding love and faithfulness, but also forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So God tells him, I am merciful. I'm going to forgive even what's been done just now, which is horrific. I'm going to forgive that and I'm going to keep going. And then he makes it clear that it's not just the mercy of the, the, it's not just the mercy and the grace and the slow to anger and the abounding and steadfast love and keeping that love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But then he goes on to say, but I will no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. So this is the moment in the Old Testament which is actually the most quoted passage in the rest of the Old Testament. Maybe 20 times. The prophets remind uh, remind the people of God's mercy over and over and over again. And of course, uh, David uh, would come into that, and we'll, we'll do that in a minute. But here we see this character of God that says, I'm going to be merciful to who I will be merciful to. He decides who will have mercy. And at the same time, he's also declaring, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk away from my judgment and my wrath. So we're seeing this, this mercy and justice, this mercy and righteousness coming together in the character of God. And so he promises, and the Jewish people over and over again call on that promise that he will be merciful, he will, uh, he will uh, give this mercy uh, to whom he will. So he retains his sovereignty. He retains uh, his ability to be merciful, but he also retains his ability to judge. And so this critical 
aspect of God's character is, flows through the entire Old Testament. And as we come to looking at mercy in the scriptures, part two here, we see that David prayed into this. Oh God, be merciful to me in Psalm 51. And Jack described that as the greatest pathway back to God ever written last week. And that, that Psalm 51 uh, is this beautiful, uh, beautiful promise that for those who turn back, for those who come to God seeking mercy, they will find mercy. And then it comes into the opening of the New Testament and we see Matthew 5, 7 in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We see, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. It's not only a promise, but it's also a call for us to be merciful. It's a, it's a dual, dual call and a promise there. And that, that word there, mercy, is translated all through the, the New Testament more than 100 times. It's translated mercy, it's translated compassion, and it's translated, in some cases, pity. And this is where we see the word used most often is when Jesus is healing, when he is delivering people from demonic, uh, from demonic oppression, and it is also a huge part of the apostolic witness. Every New Testament writer talks about the mercy of God. James, Jude, Paul, uh, Peter, all of them. They attest to the mercy of God expressed in his compassion and his pity. But the scriptures also speak the other direction. In Proverbs 21.10, we read this, The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. So we can also say that the absence of mercy is wickedness. We can say that the absence of mercy is despised by God, which means we all need to be instruments of God's mercy. We all, even if it's not our primary gifting, we all have, we all, like we've, we've talked about prophecy uh, with, you know, everyone can prophesy. We've talked about those that are further along in the gift and those that are really further along in the gift. Same thing with mercy. We can all be instruments of mercy. Some of us are going to be stronger at it. Some of us, it's going to be their primary gift. And they will just, that will just ooze out of them. But we can see here that in the story of the unmerciful servant, I don't have time this morning to do that story, but in the second half of Matthew 18, Jesus tells the parable of the servant who's forgiven this huge debt. And then he goes to another fellow servant who owes him a pittance and shakes him and throws him in jail. And when the other servants witness this, they come back to the king and it causes the king to reverse his decision. And that, that servant, that wicked servant who had no mercy uh, is consigned uh, into the place of darkness uh, by the king. So this is the this is the invitation to mercy for all of us. It is uh, the absence of mercy is wickedness. And even if, we, even if we don't think that mercy is all that important, we can see the absence of mercy is wickedness. 
And so uh, you might be wondering at this point, how does, Dennis, how does mercy work with grace? And they are, they are uh, definitely overlapping. Uh, I would say, just to keep it simple, I would say mercy is a subset of grace. And we might think of it this way. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. The punishment that you deserve, you, you don't get that. And so it's almost like if you're negative 100 spiritually, mercy brings you to zero. Mercy, mercy eliminates all the negative things that you deserve that, you're not going, that are not going to happen to you because of God's mercy. And then grace, we could say, is getting the things you don't deserve. And then that takes us to, to spiritually plus 100. So God, in his grace, moves us from negative 100 to plus 100, but mercy, maybe, is what brings us to zero. And I realize that's a, that's a I'm only offering that as a way to think about it uh, as we think about uh, the word grace, which is way more, way more overcoming, way more uh, uh, involved in receiving inheritance and receiving all the favor from God. So mercy is, is definitely a key part of this, uh, of this idea of grace. Now, uh, there's one word in the New Testament that is used for mercy that is only used when it refers to Jesus. Only used when it refers to Jesus and it's used nine times referring to him and then it's used three times by him in the parable of the unmerciful servant, the parable of the prodigal son and the parable of the good Samaritan. This word uh, is a word that means literally from the bowels, from the guts, from the, the inner part uh, of the digestive system. And it is there that it is thought to, to the, that inside of us is thought to be the seat of pity and mercy and compassion. So Jesus, it happens for the first time in Matthew 9.36, Jesus sees the people and he sees that they're harassed and without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. He literally felt for them from the inner guts of his being. He felt for them deep in his guts. So, so this word uh, happens all throughout um, that only the descriptions of Jesus and these parables. So I want to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 and following. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 and following. And by, by the way, uh, this word, uh, uh, you can try to say it. Let's try to say it. Splagnizomai. Splagnizomai. That's the word, splagnizomai. And splagn is actually the guts. So Jesus is loving us from the guts. And so he says this parable. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? 
And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now this was a big debate among the people of the day there were several debates. There was debates about divorce, debates about, uh, deb debates about marriage and divorce. There was debates of all kinds of subjects. And one of the debates was, who's my neighbor? So the Essenes, who were like the most radical, they said, my neighbor is only godly Jews. Only godly Jews. Then uh, Shammai, the rabbi Shammai, he said, no, 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 no. It's, it's all the godly Jews. And yeah, we got to include the Jews. They're the other Jews. They're our neighbors. And then Hillel would say in his magnanimousness, he would say, no, 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 no. Our neighbor is Jewish people and Romans too. We've got to include them. Now, don't worry about the barbarians and the pagans, but the Romans, like, you know, we've got to be nice to the Romans. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Jesus says, Everyone anyone you come across. And so this is how he makes his point. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, oh, but a Samaritan, this is one of the people who definitely weren't your neighbor. They were your enemies. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Splagnizomai. He had splagnizomai, and he, out of his guts, he went to him, bound up his wounds, Wounds poured on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. That's the regular word for mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So here you have this powerful story where the absolutely despised neighbor becomes the good neighbor. And Jesus turns this whole thing around on its head to these lawyers who are asking you know, who's my neighbor? So as we think about who our neighbors are, and Jesus would come to people who he'd never met before. Some of them were Gentiles. And he'd even, he'd even say, well, I, my mission isn't to the Gentiles. He, you know, he, he would even, uh, in, in one case, he would be indignant. This is kind of how it got him in the gut. He would be indignant uh, because the, the, the woman who's been bent over 18 years who he heals on the Sabbath, they still didn't want him 
to heal her. And he would be indignant. This would be uh, the way that word was translated uh, uh, instead of pity and mercy and compassion, which is usually translated. So Jesus' heart is going out. And the very same thing happens in the parable of the prodigal son. The father is standing by the fence and is looking out and his heart goes out. His guts go out to his son. The beggars wanting to be healed of their, of their uh, blindness. Uh, the lepers, and he has compassion on them. He has, it, it goes out to them. So Jesus is telling us that every person that we come across is our neighbor. And he's raising the bar, but he's also raising our consciousness that now with the gospel, we are the ones who are the spreaders of mercy. We are the ones who are the messengers of hope. We are the ones who are the proclaimers of freedom. Whether we are with someone in a hospital room or with someone on the street, I think a picture of this would be worth a thousand words is this next slide. This is the picture of the gift of mercy. Downtown Calcutta giving uh, time to those that society has deemed unworthy, giving uh, dignity to the rejected, giving love to the unlovable, uh, giving uh, honor to the lowest class uh, in the caste system, the lowest caste, giving honor to the dying uh, in her ministry. And uh, we're not all going to be Mother Teresa's. In fact, um, we're not all going to be in that situation. But I, I, have, I have one person that I'd, I'd just like to shout out to because every week, almost every week, let's say 30 times a year, maybe 40 times a year, somebody comes in the building here asking for help. And every single time, if he's in the building... Mark Symes will bring that person in, will sit them down in the red chairs in the hearth room or in the office area, will listen to their story, will give them some kind of practical assistance, and will pray with them. And I don't, I don't believe this is one of Mark Symes' highest gifts, but he walks in this regularly, routinely, uh, with, with a genuine desire to understand the other person and to bring them encouragement and honor. So, uh, Mark, thank you for representing us in that way. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, how can we show mercy cheerfully? How can we show mercy cheerfully? First of all, we need to remember what it is we've received, right? We have to be constantly reminding ourselves of our first love, of that moment when we realized what Jesus did for us. But I want to talk about the what we can do and the how we can do it. So the what, uh, we can forgive and encourage someone to know they're forgiven. Uh, we can stop and help. You know, I've been, been back and forth to Christ Hospital a lot, and I've noticed 
uh, that there's an interesting woman who drives around. If you'd ever been around Christ Hospital, you got the uh, the Planned Parenthood. Uh, uh, the, the Christians that are praying up and down in front of Planned Parenthood. But you also have these professional, they seem like professional uh, uh, people collecting, uh, asking for help and collecting. They got these little homemade signs and it's always the same people and they rotate around. There's about four corners. And the other day I was leaving the hospital and I noticed a lady stopped and she handed out bag lunches to the Christians that were praying in front of Planned Parenthood. I was right behind her, so I stopped, and she just had them all made up, and she just passing them through the window, drives around the corner, there's the person asking for money, she passes out the bag lunch, turns left, uh, and hands out the bag lunches. So it was clear that she had, she was a regular around there, and it was clear that she had decided to give the gift of mercy to bless them with something to eat. This that I happened to be there was a cold day, but I watched her uh, and I just was amazed because uh, most people just drive by or sometimes they'll throw a five out or a 20 out the window, but she had really thought about it. Uh, we can open our home to somebody who may need a place to stay. One of the great things we can do is pray for healing. We can pray for healing for someone we notice limping or uh, otherwise uh, maybe depressed or dejected. We can pray for them. We can visit people in the hospital. This has been challenging with COVID, but I just want to shout out to Naj because when you make a hospital visit with Naj, you bring in the kingdom. It just comes in like a, like a thing of, 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 of cold air. It just comes flowing into the room. And there's joy and there's this gigantic smile. And there is expectation. There's expectation. And uh, for a person who's lying there and feeling lonely and feeling... Uh, not hopeful. Uh, this is a breath of fresh air or a prison visit. There's nothing more challenging when you're on the phone and you have your hand on a bulletproof glass and the, the person you're visiting has their hand behind on there because there's no human touch and, and you're, you're basically in front of them. Uh, but prison visits are so encouraging uh, to those. Uh, by the way, in a couple of months, we will have the opportunity to provide school supplies for children of incarcerated women in our tapestry prison ministry program. More information on that coming up, but what a gift that will be. We can send money, uh, which we are doing and hopefully will do uh, for the brothers and sisters in Ukraine. And uh, Jamie mentioned the Palm Sunday offering. So be thinking about and praying about as we pray through this prayer for the Ukraine. Bring it home. Pray through it. And think about how God would have you uh, move in that area. And then finally, meals. You received a little handout uh, here for our meal ministry. And this week we're doing the gift of mercy and next week we're doing the gift of hospitality. They come together in our Take Them a Meal ministry. This is a ministry, is very simple. You sign up to be a potential meal maker. And right now we have about 10 uh, people who are potential meal makers. We'd like to grow that to 30 or 40 
And then what happens is you receive an email. Once you sign up for this, you receive an email. If you're out of town, don't worry about it. Someone else will pick it up. But we'll be making meals. So plan your shopping, make your meal, double the recipe, pack it up, and bring it to the people who are recovering from surgery, recovering from childbirth, uh, recovering from some other uh, tragedy, maybe the loss of a loved one, whatever, we're going to take them a meal. This is a perfect opportunity uh, to be agents of mercy, instruments of mercy. And all you have to do is let Lynn Robinson or Terry Robinson know about that. Their email address are there. Just send them an email and say, sign me up. If you're online, you can't see that email. You can just email one of the staff and we'll take care of it for you. Um, and if you uh, want, you can also sign up at the Connect Desk. But that is a, a wonderful ministry of mercy in our congregation. And then how do we do this? Well, we do it, we, we dispense the gift of mercy with good boundaries. Notice that the Good Samaritan did not uh, get so bogged down in this and so codependent with this sick person uh, that he stayed, uh, that he ignored his family, that he ignored his business. But he, he came in to the point of help. He was willing to go the extra mile, brought him to the inn, uh, covered the cost, and, but he has a life, right? He had to move on. He had to, and, and, and by the way, I'll come back and I'll check. So when we, when we do, when we share the gift of mercy, it is important to maintain good boundaries and to think about uh, the, this need in the context of all the other things God has us doing. And he expects us to use good judgment. He is not looking for us to settle others' offenses in terms of who might have been the robbers and who might have done this to this guy. Uh, and Jesus is asked to, to resolve a dispute between two brothers. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in your dispute. So we have to be recognize that about being, being careful to get over-engaged in whatever the offense might be. Another thing as we're dispensing mercy is to recognize that sometimes the situation the person is in is because of sin. And having taken care of their need, it is also important to speak the truth in love. So Jesus takes the woman caught in adultery. The man is nowhere to be seen. Uh, he, she's about to be stoned. He says, whoever is sinless can cast the first stone. The men leave. She says, uh, he, he has mercy on her. But he also says to her, go and sin no more. And he does that in a way that is uh, merciful. And then, uh, so those are just a couple of tips about how we should think about the gift of mercy. So I'm going to close uh, this morning and I just have a little bit of instrumental music. Our, our prayer teams uh, will be available for prayer. Anybody who would like to have prayer. And I want you to think about, do you, do you need a new heart of mercy today? Do you, do you want God to give you a heart of mercy do you want God to uh, move in your guts? Move in your guts today. Then come up to one of our prayer teams and we'll, we'll pray that prayer with you. Um, or there, there may be someone, as we've been...
been through this morning's message that you need to show mercy to. Whoever that might be, uh, make, that, make that your prayer today that you would have an opportunity to show mercy. And then finally, there are some today who may need, who may need mercy. And remember, remember the good news. In Jesus Christ, God's mercy triumphs over his judgment, as James wrote. His mercy, the work on the cross, triumphs over the judgment. That's such good news. That's good news that we, we can bring. It's good news that you may want to take your stand on that good news this morning. That you that you would walk with Christ in his mercy and his grace um, and that that would triumph over the things in your life where God would have full right to judge you. But he's offering mercy instead. So this morning as we close, let's just come into a time of prayer. Let's receive his mercy. Let's purpose ourselves to be instruments of his mercy. Let's remember that mercy triumphs over judgment. So, Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father, that it's deeply rooted in your character. It's deeply rooted in Jesus. It's deeply rooted in his walk amongst us. It's deeply rooted in his parables. So Father, we, we receive today. For those who need mercy today, it is available. Like David, we simply ask, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And for those people in our lives who need a touch of mercy, I pray, Lord, that you would grant a work of your Spirit that we would pour out mercy as your instruments in the opportunities you put in front of us this week. Lord, give us opportunities to make meals. Give us opportunities to pray Give us opportunities, Lord, to sacrificially send money that we might otherwise spend on luxuries. However you want to move here today, Lord, we welcome you. And we thank you, Lord, that you, in Christ, have pronounced that your mercy will triumph over judgment. Let us be messengers of hope to a world around us 
that is hurting. Let us be messengers of mercy today and this week and in the days to come, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I bless you to go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to bring the mercy of Christ to those around you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer, we continue to pray here. Uh, and I believe there are some light bites to be had down the hall. So see you in the fellowship area.